I get into anything related to this podcast episode's topic, I would like to make an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the heat is on. That's right, the furnace has been installed and Jeff is living in a warm home once again. I will say that for the first day of having the furnace installed, I was still habitually wanting to walk over to the fireplace and turn it on the second I got home. I have checked the thermostat multiple times despite knowing that the house does not feel chilly. I did the same thing when I got home tonight, even though the furnace has now been installed for several days. Maybe I just want to see that number. Where do you like to keep your thermostat? that at, Jeff. I'll tell you. 69. But I like to see that number. It's better than, you know, 55 because it was becoming extremely common for me to come home from being gone for hours at a time or waking up in the morning, basically all the times that I could not run the furnace temporarily and monitor it, and it would be around 55, maybe 57, but it was cold. So that is behind me. Hip, hip, hooray! So with having a couple episodes left in the season, or rather prior to my Christmas special, which will come out on the Thursday before Christmas, I believe that is the 23rd of December, I didn't want to do really any episodes that were too crazy off the topic or non-seasonal. And while this episode is not seasonal, it is not too far off the topic because this episode is about the actual recording of the podcast, the recording of the music that I do and the songs that I've written and released. And what spurred the idea for this topic was talking to my mom recently, who is an avid listener and a fan of the podcast. I mean, she's an easy fan to get, so I can't exactly pat myself on the back too hard for that one. But she made a comment to me in a phone conversation about how she can tell the little parts and the things that I add afterward, not referring to sound effects, but like to the fact where it sounds like I'm having a conversation with myself at times. And I had to say, um, no mom, I add nothing. The only thing that I add after the fact after the recording of the spoken word portion of the podcast is the music or the sound effects or the things that I plug in over top of the spoken word. If at any point in any episode of the podcast it has sounded like I'm having a conversation with myself or going back and forth or you feel like I have gone back in and added something spoken word based, that's just how my fucking brain works. On one side of the coin, I can take pride in knowing that I'm capable of literally having conversations with myself in real time in different voices and people might think that it was done in post if you don't know what in post means if you've ever heard that term related to television film music podcast in this example in post means to do it in post production so after the fact it's not something that was done during filming or recording now on the flip side of the coin Perhaps I should also be a little worried because maybe I'm, you know, batshit crazy because I can have conversations with myself in real time and different voices and people think it was done in post. So take the good with the bad, I guess. 
Now, the title of this podcast is Goodbye Fourth Wall, and just to avoid using vernacular that people may not know, I will explain what the fourth wall is in case anyone doesn't know. When you tear down the fourth wall is typically how the term is used. It's like when you're watching a TV show, and it's a fictional show, and at no point in time are the characters of the show ever supposed to think that there's a camera in the room. It's like we're getting a fly-on-the-wall perspective of this person life. Breaking down the fourth wall would be looking into the camera for anyone who ever watched Three's Company. I'm dating myself. I'm a knock on our door. I'm a knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. Where the kisses are. Hers and hers and his. Three's Company too. But Norman Fell, who played Mr. Roper, he would look into the camera and cheese for the camera, so making this cheesy-ass grin. That would be breaking down the fourth wall because it takes you out of that feeling of being the fly on the wall. The characters are now cognizant of the fact that they are part of a show. Additionally, the term tearing down the fourth wall could be used to explain exposing how things work, how things operate. And sometimes you don't want to know how the sausage is made. How sausage made, Jeff? I don't want to know because I like sausage. Anyway, I will be exposing myself. I'm not exposing everything else in the industry. These are all things that I have done as a podcaster, studio musician, a producer of both. And perhaps, you know, this could be enlightening, educational, informative for those of you out there who don't really know anything about how that stuff is done, especially in this day and age of everything being digital and relatively easy and cheap to do. So while we're talking about the podcast, I'm just going to keep explaining things about the podcast, the post or the production portion of the podcast, which is where the majority of the work goes into. Yes, some episodes, I've got some prep, I've got some bullet points that I follow. Most episodes, I've just got open my notes app in my phone and I look at some shit that I typed in when I had the idea for the episode and then riff off of that. But if you guys all listened to just what I record, the spoken word portion of the podcast, if you all listened exactly to what I recorded, it would be a very different experience. Because there are pauses. There are times when I pause because I want to think about what I want to say. I want to formulate my thoughts and I want to be cohesive and well-spoken, enunciative. Oddly enough, enunciative is a hard word to enunciate. Son of a bitch. At times, like just now, I will take a drink off of a tasty beverage to wet my whistle. Maybe I have to sneeze. Maybe Goobs the cat comes into the room and meows in the background and I have to start over. Maybe I say something, but I stumble over my words or I sound like I have marbles in my mouth when I try and spit something out. So I will just immediately say the same line again. Not that it was a predetermined line, but at this point it's fresh in my head and I'm able to replicate the line pretty quickly and hopefully with more enunciation. But a big portion of what I do when editing and producing the podcast is kind of what I call tightening it up. 
So I get rid of all those big gaps. I get rid of big breaths. Even if I'm talking at a pretty rapid pace and not taking pauses to think about anything, I'm still taking these big breaths. And to me, I don't know, they just bother me when I hear them. And it's like, you don't need to hear that deep breath. You know that I'm breathing because I managed to complete the podcast and release it. So certainly he hasn't expired. Also, when I first got into podcasting a few years ago when I was doing a podcast with a friend of mine, I wasn't really a big podcast listener at the time, so I I wasn't aware that you can listen to podcasts at like two times the speed. It doesn't like make you sound like a chipmunk. It doesn't elevate the pitch. It just speeds things up. So I kind of try and emulate the faster tempo, not to the extent of two times the speed, but by tightening everything up, it hopefully will make people feel less likely to listen to the podcast in double speed, which is not how I intend it. But ideally, you want people to listen to things the way you intended it as an artist. So that whole tightening process and cleaning up, that is a big portion of the podcast production. For me, anyhow, there's plenty of podcasters out there that they just talk into the microphone. They don't cut anything out. They don't edit anything. They don't add anything. And they just go, release? I don't do that. Honestly, I would say that the majority of my podcasts, probably about 60% of what I actually record time-wise is what the finished product is. Now, again, keep in mind that a lot of the stuff I'm cutting out are breaths or big, long pauses. So I'm not really cutting out anything that I said, unless it was something where I set a line a second time to say it better, and then obviously I will cut out the first line. Like, if you hear a 25-minute episode of my podcast, that was actually probably closer to like 45 minutes of actual recording time. But again, it's not that I'm removing a bunch of my talking, I'm just removing big pauses, empty spaces, lines that I redid, I cut out the original line that sucked balls. To better soothe the ear holes. So essentially with the podcast, it's kind of what you can call a two-pass system. So after I've recorded it, I will do one pass of editing where I will go through it with a fine-tooth comb, cutting out all of those breaths, the pauses, the lines that were redone and redone better. You didn't enunciate much on that last one, Jeff. You should say the line again. I will do a little bit of music and sound effects in the first pass, primarily because I want everything spaced properly. So let's say like what I call my porn music. Whenever that porn music plays, it's longer. So if I know the porn music is going to be there, I will drop the porn music in on the first pass so that now I can push where the spoken word portion picks up at the right spot in the mix and I don't have to move all the shit and all these sliced little bits after the fact. The second pass is where I will add things like dings, buzzers, dog barks, meows, car horns, all that fun stuff background music, if it can be something that's over the spoken word and doesn't have to separate it. And additionally, now that I've edited the spoken word portion down, that second pass, I will also be listening for fun little grabs to move to the end to put between my two I'm Jeff and I'm Jeff. On a rare occasion, I will not find two snippets I like because I'm so in-depth and focused on the sound effects and the music, and I will have to go give it a very quick pass, a third pass, to get the little snippets to add into that outro. But in most instances, it's a two-pass system. The first pass, the editing of the spoken word, that can easily take several hours. 
Because again, remember, I'm starting with maybe 60 minutes of actual recording time that I'm going to cut down to 30 or 35 minutes. The second pass with the sound effects and the music, that's usually not as bad, maybe an hour, hour and a half. But then I have the joy of having to export the finished version. I have to re-import it into a different software that allows me to export it again, but add tags for the RSS feed. And RSS feed is basically, that's kind of how podcasts work is I have one place where I pay to host all of the data and the sound files that I upload for the podcast. And then from that homepage, they provide me an RSS feed. So that means it will include the image for the podcast episode, the title of the podcast episode, the hashtags, the description of the podcast episode. All of that stuff is bundled into the RSS feed. So then when I got started, I would go out to Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all of the different podcast providers and I would sign up, create an account as a podcaster, and then I just basically drop in the RSS feed to them. And then as soon as it refreshes, and it's a little different refresh time on each platform, it's usually five to 10 minutes, some maybe even less, but it automatically detects that I've uploaded a new episode onto this completely other website. The RSS feed is just constantly updating all of these other sites. So when I do that second export in the second piece of software, I am creating the tag file that carries all of that data for the RSS feed. And now that I've gotten to a point where I am releasing on a schedule, I'm always done with the episode before 2 a.m. on Monday or 2 a.m. on Thursday. So I schedule it to be released at that time. However, there is one final step, and then that is going downstairs, connecting to a Bluetooth speaker, and listening back to that episode before it actually releases publicly just to make sure there's no glitchiness, no bullshit. When you're dealing with uploading files in the internet, it's not common, but it's not impossible for there to be some funky aspect to the upload. Some artifact, some sound, some clip, some, I don't know, something's muted. Only once in the previous so far released 46 episodes have I found a glitch. It was my own glitch. It was something that I realized I had added as a sound effect and accidentally deleted before I exported the file. So when that part came up, it was just a quick blank, like two second gap. I'm like, damn it, I got to go back and re-export everything twice, re-upload, re-listen. So luckily that is not normally the case, but that is the process. That is how the podcast comes together for all of you ungrateful sons of bitches. Now, as a musician, I recorded and released a four-song original EP right here in this home studio last year during quarantine. So it is possible. Like I said, the technology is available. I'm not anyone who's ever been trained on how to do that. I've been doing it for years on different devices, of course, on the computer for about the last 10 years. But I am by no means an expert. And of course, when it comes to computer recording, that's a huge difference between how things were done 20 or 30 years ago. You're not dealing with actual fucking physical tape. 
It's all digital. And with digital recording, that allows what's called comping. So comping would be like, for example, if I'm going to record the vocals for one of my songs, I will get myself all dialed in and set up to record vocals. And I will record the vocals for the song. Then I'll go to a new track. I'll record the exact same vocals again. And I will do that five or six times until I feel like I got enough good enough parts to put the puzzle together. Comping is like compositioning. So at this point now, you go back and you get the best segments. Like a verse of music might consist of lines from three or four different takes. You get the best line. And as long as there's a way that you can put them together without it being noticeable, that's the easiest way. It's, it's you know, different from, again, 20, 30 years ago when people had to record a certain vocal take 40 times until they were like, yep, that's the one. Yay! And then with comping also comes copy and paste. So like choruses, choruses many times, I won't say most times, but many times in modern music, they're the exact same every single time. The verses are different lyrically, but the choruses are all the same, just like guitar riffs. The guitar riff or rhythm in a verse or a chorus or any repeating part, it's meant to be played the exact same way every time. Doesn't mean that person's going to actually play it identically every time. They're not a fucking robot. But with comping, again, all you need is one good guitar verse, copy and paste. Now you've got verse two and verse three. If you're dealing with a recording artist that's able to pull off all of the verses naturally and without any glaring faults, there's no reason to copy and paste. But I assure you that the majority of the music that you listen to today, choruses, guitar riffs, those things are all being comped and copied and pasted. You're hearing the exact same take of the chorus for the first, second, and third chorus. They're not actually singing it three different times. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but that's just how it works. It's more cost effective and ensures a more quality product, which is why everything sounds so fucking manipulated and cleaned up at this point. There's not a whole lot of natural vibe to anything musically anymore. Just like pitch correction or quantizing. Pitch correction might be what a lot of people consider to be auto-tune. Auto-tune is kind of a loose term because it would imply that you're just putting some blanket setting on something and letting it auto-tune. Now, a lot of people do that. That's their sound. They like it. It's used a shit ton in modern popular music. Like Cher, when she came out with Do You Believe in Love After Love? She used a shit ton of auto-tune on that, and you could hear the notes being forced. Now, she's a good enough singer that she didn't need it to correct the pitch. She just liked the effect. Most of the people who use it now, they use it because they're really not that good of a singer. They just had the right look. Maybe the right daddy or blue, the right agent. When I record stuff, I do use pitch correction, which is different than auto-tune because it's a lot more finessed and the settings can be very subtle. You can push it very hard to where it sounds like auto-tune, but I tend to use pitch correction for the sake of smoothing some stuff out a little bit. Maybe if there's just a little wobble on the pitch, you guys would probably never notice that. Unfortunately, the modern music industry has trained everyone's ears to think that everything is supposed to sound like it was sung by a goddess or a god with perfect fucking pitch and absolutely solid tone. I consider myself a pretty good singer, probably better than most of the people that are making millions and millions of dollars as recording artists right now, but I'm not perfect and I can use a little 
pitch correction every once in a while. Now, quantizing, quantizing is where the software will take something and it will line it up better. So, like, for example, if you have a drum part and there's, like, a snare hit that's just a little behind the beat, a lot of times you don't want to quantize drums to be 100% perfect. You want things to be a little off because it lets it sound natural. However, you absolutely can grab and highlight a bunch of notes or beats or hits in this software, click one button quantize and everything will go and line up exactly to what the metronome would be and that fraction of a measure. I'm probably getting a little out there with some of my terminology. I'm doing my best not to, and I'm not gonna explain everything I fucking say. Look it up, people. It's the world of Google. You're so smart. But one of the ways that quantizing is possible is because of MIDI. So MIDI is a way to go into a computer with like any kind of controller. That could be a drum machine. It could be an actual electronic drum kit. It could be a piano. It could be a very small version of a keyboard. And then it grabs the information of the note hit and then you can go in after the fact and change it like crazy. Like I can record something with my digital piano MIDI into the computer and then I can go back and I can make it sound like a completely different piano. I can make it sound like a grand piano in a ballroom. I can make it sound like an upright in a closet. I can make it sound like aliens farting on copper wire while angels sing. I can completely modify that sound any way I want without modifying the actual input or the MIDI file. And when dealing with like electronic drums, that's all MIDI as well, which is why you can then quantize it and make everything way more close to the beat, manipulate the sound to make it sound like whatever the fuck you want. It is a weird world. I have seen the development and the change in the music industry as a musician. When I first started going to the studio and recording, they used physical tape, DATs, they called them, digital audio tapes. And then you could take that DAT to a different place to have it mastered. I'm not going to get into what mastering is, but it's basically just like kind of putting a finishing gloss on the actual recording, setting the volume so that it's broadcast ready, etc. Okay, I guess I am going to explain that. But you take that dat to someone and you can pay to have it converted to audio cassette. I remember audio cassettes. So do I. And you can also take those dats and have them converted into a CD. But the dat is what the studio provided you. Long gone are the days of the dat. Everything's digital, everything's hard drive. If you ever hear an album that was done analog, not digital, you will absolutely instantly recognize the difference. One perfect example I can think of is Them Crooked Vultures. That is a kind of superstar band composed of the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Homme, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, and formerly of Nirvana on drums and on bass and keys, Mr. John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin. I think it's a fucking awesome album. Them Crooked Vultures, check it out. I haven't researched it, but I would have to be positive that they recorded that in an analog setting or they used fucking sound effects digital effects to make it sound analog as fuck but when you listen to that album you'll be like this does not sound like normal modern music this sounds like old shit that i would hear back in like the 70s and 80s or even 60s so that's enough of boring you on how podcast and music production works in the studio Yay! hopefully you feel like
like you at least learned something or that was remotely interesting. Before I finish, I would like to talk to you about a song that I can't believe I forgot to bring this up on the last podcast when I was talking about Poor Taste Christmas, my circa 2000 holiday comedy Christmas album. But last year, I went in to be a guest on a syndicated radio show here in the central Ohio area. The name of the show is Remedy Radio, if you want to look it up. Uh, They play a little bit more of like classic rock, but they also kind of talk between breaks and explain stuff. And Dave Wenham, the host of the show, has been an acquaintance slash colleague slash friend of mine for probably about 10 years now. And actually, Dave has a very interesting life, and I'm hoping to have him on the podcast as a guest in the near future to discuss all of the fucking shit he's done. But for probably the last three to four years, I have been the guest on the Christmas episode of Remedy Radio Show. Last year was a little different. We were coming out of quarantine, but it was still mask season, and everyone was recommending you shouldn't travel or do anything or see any of your family for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Christmas. Thank you. So he calls me, I think I think it was five days before Christmas. And he's like, hey, brother, you want to come in and uh, do the Christmas special this year? And I had nothing better going on. So I said, sure, I'll see you tomorrow. And he said, hey, bring your guitar. If there's you, know, you if you want to play anything live on the air, feel free. And it's like, well, it's a Christmas episode. I, I don't really know any Christmas music on guitar. And I'm thinking to myself after we get off the phone, I'm like, I, I guess I could learn a Christmas song or two. And then, of course, it occurs to me, hey, just write a fucking Christmas song, man. Make a comedy Christmas song, and what better to write about but COVID and quarantine, and particularly here in Ohio, the devil himself, Mike DeWine, our governor, who many held in contempt because of all of the mandates coming down. So I wrote this song, and then I go into the studio at his kind of complex office the next day. And quick shout out to Mr. Fred Schaefer, last name spelled exactly like mine, no relation, but he is the producer on the show. So I go in and I'm in the studio with Dave and Fred and we basically, he's got kind of like a little script set up. It's not scripted, but here's going to be these songs. We don't need to, it's not done live. Like Fred will go back and plug the songs in. We're just there to capture the chunks of talking between the songs. So it's, it takes a lot less time. So then it gets to the point where I'm going to perform my brand new song. And it went, eh, it was brand new. It obviously had not had much of a chance to be rehearsed. It's in a very weird setting. I'm the type of person as an entertainer that I actually get more nervous the less people there are around me. So performing in front of a couple people is much worse than performing in front of 19,000 people. However, of course, I'm critical of myself. Dave loved the fucking song. And Dave has the ability to film and produce music videos, film. He's made uh, an independent film about the history of the song Hang On Sloopy. He's got a production company that has done music videos for artists. And he said, you know what? I love this. My Christmas present to you, buddy. Come in here tomorrow. And let's record a music video for it. Fuck it. We got a couple days till Christmas. We can get it out by Christmas Eve. And I was like, okay. But now, of course, me being me, I get home and I'm like, I have to record this and actually create a studio version of this song. It can't just be me with an acoustic guitar and then some cheesy, silly little video. That ain't how I roll. So I spent hours that night tracking drums, bass, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, strings, chimes, vocals, backing vocals, harmonies, and created what I think is actually a very good fucking song. 
Despite being silly as hell, it is a very good song. It's got a bit of a country twang to it, but when you're talking about things that totally fucking suck, like quarantine and not being able to see family at Christmas, country just seemed to be the right vibe. So probably around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I have finished the song, but now... I've got ideas for the video to go along with the song, so I end up getting in, opening a Word document, and I start plotting out all these different things that we can try and do in the studio for the video. And I'm trying to make it easier on the production team. We have a very short period of time to do this and turn it around, so the more direction there is, in my opinion, the better. I was very tired the next day because I was meeting them at probably like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, but because of my script, there were certain things I needed to stop at Kroger and try and buy, like mistletoe or props or things I wanted to use for the scenes or sequences that I had kind of imagined for the video. So now I've got to stop at the grocery store like two or three days before Christmas and try and find this shit and then go to the studio. So I get to the studio, we recorded, I want to give a shout out to everybody involved, they did an amazing job. It really only probably took like maybe two to three hours to film the entire thing, and now it's in their hands to produce and get ready for upload. And they came through and uploaded this song, or rather gave it to me to upload to my YouTube page on the afternoon of Christmas Eve 2020, less than 72 hours after I had found out I was even going to be a guest on the show again and came up with the idea to write the song. That's a fast turnaround, but I think it turned out amazing. So at the end of the episode, I know the last episode I played you guys a couple tracks. I played you the Bob's Circumcision Warehouse commercial and the song Bye Bye Mrs. Claus off of my Circa 2000 comedy Christmas CD release, It's a Poor Taste Christmas, and I promised to play a couple more of those originals for you guys in the next two episodes leading up to my Christmas special, this being one of those two episodes. So what I'm going to do is right here at the end, again, after the gunshot outro that you're so used to thinking is the end of the episode, I'm going to play you another track off It's a Poor Taste Christmas, and then I'm going to play my song from last year, Christmas Quarantine. If you would like to see the video, which I think is funny as fuck, just go to YouTube, type in Christmas Quarantine. Jeff, that's Jeff with one F, Christmas Quarantine space J-E-F. One last update, I know on the last episode I told you guys I was struggling with writing the script for the Christmas special. And at the time, I was. As of recording this episode, the script is done. The struggle is over. So that has me feeling a little bit more relieved and knowing that this absolutely is going to be a reality. It's going to be hard work. And now that I'm starting a new job this week, I'm going to have to juggle my time. I'm just probably going to be running on five or six hours of sleep every night. That's fine. But to be quite honest, I want to hear this Christmas special probably as much, if not more, than the rest of you. Because I think it's going to be pretty fucking funny. Again, thanks to everyone who continues to tune in on a regular basis. Please tell your friends. Please share the podcast on social media. You can follow me on TikTok, Twitter, or Facebook at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Until next time. I'm Jeff, because I like sausage. Anyway, I will be exposing myself. And I'm Jeff. I'm a knock on our door. I'm a knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. Where the kisses are. Hers and hers and his. Three's company too. Good night. So let's get this program underway. The first song we have for you tonight is one very close to my heart. 
You see, when I was growing up, my father was a mall Santa. Our first selection is dedicated to all the mall Santas out there, and even to all the boys and girls who've ever waited in line and sat on the lap of a mall Santa. This is aptly titled, I Am Santa. I am Santa, you hear me roar, I'm in your local mall on the first floor, I smell of whiskey, and sometimes beer, but I can stuff your whiny ass with tons of cheer, my name is Santa, I'm like a god. Even though both of my eyes are all bloodshot Send your children on through, through the line If they're lucky they won't get puked on this time What's your name? Oh hello John, sit on my lap I've got a present for you somewhere in my sack that's not a pencil, just tidings of good joy. So don't tell mom like a good little boy. <laughs> I am Santa, or so they say. Although my boots and hair and beard are fake I keep a flask here inside my coat Cause sometimes Santa needs to moisten up his throat My name is Santa and I'm no fool Even though my whole chin is covered in drool I may be drunk but I'm not dumb And don't worry what I'm doing with my thumb What's your name? Oh, hello, Susie, sit on my lap You smell like you have gone days without a bath I'm feeling queasy I think I'm gonna blow <laughs> No, those aren't chunks of lunch It's special snow I'm in jail Could you help a big fat jolly guy out With some bail Here we are around the Christmas tree When I say we, I mean me and me I couldn't invite my family Cause they said I might kill grandma With COVID-19 Presents are wrapped and fill in the room 
I wish you could unwrap them without being on Zoom I know it's an abroad and someday you will too Can't wait to see the look on your face in 2022 Accessorizing with a mask And I have only got one answer When Santa asks What do you order, Christmas little boy? Mike, do I to kiss my ass? Eat a big ham, I'll eat it all by myself Even put out my elf on the shelf But now I can't find him, guess he went somewhere else Just found him in the closet, looks like he hung himself Kiss my ass Walked under mistletoe While writing this song But there's no one to kiss Because I'm all alone There's only one option You might think that it's wrong I'm gonna jingle my own bells on Kiss my ass